Acts chapter 28, that's where we're going to be today. You may not know this, but you've been running a marathon with me. It's called a marathon of the gospel, right? We have been in the book of Acts, and almost, almost nine months we have been studying the book of Acts. Uh, it doesn't seem like that long to me, but it might seem like that long to you, okay? So we've been, we've been running this marathon, and we are right there. The finish line is right there. It's called Acts chapter 28, and we're going to cross that finish line today. Uh, as Brother Andy and the praise team were leading us, and as we already began this service with an attitude of gratitude, with thankfulness, uh, I wanted to say thank you, too, to our tech team. A lot of the times, you guys might not recognize them uh, because they're hiding behind a sound booth or behind a camera, but they are the ones that make it possible for you to keep up with me because I know I run pretty fast, and I talk pretty fast, and so they put these slides up there. They, they try to keep up with me on the camera. I drive John and Joey and those guys crazy because they have to zigzag back and forth with me, but I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for, for Chris Temple for all that he does for us because here's the thing. There are a lot of people that can't be in the sanctuary with us, but they're at home right now, or they're on the road right now, or they're in a hotel right now, and they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached because Chris Temple is putting it out there. And so we've got so much to be thankful for, right? Brother Andy just led us in a prayer, and he talked about being blessed. Uh, in my marathon when I was running, uh, there's this group called Cain, and uh, they are a brother, uh, a brother and sisters, and they sing a song called, I'm So Blessed. Has anybody heard that song? That's what I thought, right? And in that song, they sing, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. I got this heartbeat in my chest. And it doesn't matter about the rest because with you, Lord, I'm so blessed. And they go on to say, on my worst days, guess who I am? I'm a child of God. And on my best days, guess who I am? I'm a child of God. So, so listen to me. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you just came out of. I don't know what you're headed into. I, I do know this. The Bible never promises us that our life will be easy or comfortable. If someone ever tells you that, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, they're lying. That's a lie. And I don't care if they're a preacher or a mama or a daddy or a brother or a sister. The Bible does not say that your life or my life will ever be easy or it will ever be comfortable just because we are Christ followers. As a matter of fact, I can point you to scriptures where it's the opposite. Just in the book of James, it says, when these trials come upon you. Right? Not if these trials, but when these trials. And if you just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, ask yourself how many times Jesus walked into difficult situations, hard situations. Right? If Jesus faced difficulty and trouble in this life, how dare me think that I won't face difficulty and trouble in this life? But again, I'm going to go back to that song, I'm so blessed. Even on my worst days, I'm still a child of God. Because of Jesus. And on my best days, I'm a child of God because of Jesus. And therefore, I can have joy. And listen to me. I can have joy even in the darkness. I can have joy even in the heartache and the heartbreak. I can have joy even in the uncomfortable and uneasy situations. And I believe that's where we see Paul. As a matter of fact, I, I love the book of Acts. And as we close out the book of Acts, let me tell you, the first 10 or 12 chapters, we see Peter. And we see the apostles. And we see them preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. And then in these last few chapters, we've seen Paul. 
We've looked at the life of Paul and what God has done and what God continues to do in the life of Paul. But understand this, the book of Acts is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the kingdom of God. Do you hear me? So so the book of Acts, yes, we read about Peter. Yes, we read about Paul. Yes, we read about all of these apostles and all of these incredible miracles and all of these things that are done uh, by humans through the power of the Holy Spirit whom Jesus told them they would have. But the book of Acts is all about Jesus and it's all about the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, that's how we're going to end this book today. But let me remind you, that's how the book began. As a matter of fact, you don't have to, you don't have to flip back, but listen. In the very beginning, Luke says this in Acts chapter 1, the first three verses. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, he's talking about the gospel of Luke. He says, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, there it is, do you see that? Not after his easy life, not after his comfortable life. It says, after his suffering, talking about Jesus, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Listen, Jesus was not dead in this book. He was alive. He appeared to the apostles. And I'm going to tell you something. No matter what the world tells you, no matter what you may feel like, Jesus ain't dead today either. He's alive. We serve a risen Savior, a risen Lord. And so he says he was alive. He appeared to them, talking about the apostles, over a period of 40 days. And guess what he spoke about? Here's what Luke said. He spoke about the kingdom of God. If Jesus was all about the kingdom of God, and Jesus said, hey, you're going to be my witnesses. We are witnesses of and witnesses for Jesus Christ. What should we be preaching and teaching and talking about? Two things, Jesus and the kingdom of God. Now, you might be saying, Brother Jeff, what is the kingdom of God? I'm glad you asked that question. Or I'm glad I asked that question for you. Either way, what is the kingdom of God? Well, I love Dr. Tony Evans, and I'm going to tell you, the very first book that I read by Dr. Tony Evans was a book called Kingdom Man. Any of you guys read that book? Yeah? He wrote another book called Kingdom Disciples. And then he wrote another book called Kingdom Agenda. He's got a series of kingdom books, and it's all about the kingdom of God. And so I love what Dr. Tony Evans says in his Kingdom Agenda book. Here's what he says. He says, the entire Bible wraps around this theme of God's kingdom agenda. And here it is. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom agenda? It is the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. That's what the kingdom of God is. It is the visible manifestation. It is the tangible. It is the real comprehensive rule. Comprehensive means it reaches everyone, everything, everywhere. Even those who don't bow down right now, to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, one day they're going to bow. Even though sometimes it gets dark in this world, let me just tell you something. The light is going to pierce and break the darkness. You want to know why? 
because of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. You may feel like your life is out of control. Let me tell you something. God is still in control no matter what you feel like. God is still in control no matter what your mind says to, you, to yourself. God is in control. And that rule, that comprehensive rule, is to be reflected in and through the church. Listen, Start Baptist Church, we need to be a visible manifestation to the community that we live in that God is in control, that God is the Lord, that God is the master of our lives, that God has the last say in every area of our lives. The church needs to reflect that in the community in which she lives. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, as we see in Acts, we've been called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. We've been empowered to powerfully participate. You heard me say that earlier in my prayer. We have been called and empowered to be witnesses of Jesus Christ and to participate in what God is doing in this world, in his kingdom. That's the kingdom agenda. You and I, we don't just sit around and watch what God's doing. No, we, we actually participate in what God is doing. And that's incredible. And let me tell you what it takes to do that. You want to know what it takes to do that? I answered this question last week. Courageous faith. It's going to take courageous faith. Courageous faith to participate in the kingdom agenda of God. Last week, I asked you this question. What can courageous faith do? What can, Brother Jeff, you're telling me that I need courageous faith and you're telling me how to have it. I have to rely on Jesus Christ in every area of my life. But Brother Jeff, what can that courageous faith do in my home, in my church, in my workplace? What can that courageous faith that Start Baptist Church practices together, what can it do in our community? Well, I gave you one answer last week. The first answer I gave you is this. We can lead others to know God's great love and his promises. How? By believing. And that word believing is an action verb. It means to exercise it daily. So we can lead others to know God's great love and promises by believing, exercising God's great love and promises ourselves. It's going to be hard for you to tell somebody about God's great love if you're not participating and exercising God's great love yourself. It's going to be hard to tell somebody about the promises of Scripture that God keeps. What did Brother Andy and the praise team say? He is faithful. He will never fail. It's going to be hard for you to tell somebody about God's great promises and His faithfulness if you yourself are not believing and exercising that faithfulness. And so that's the first way. That's the first way courageous faith can make a difference in your home in your workplace, in your school, in your church, and in your community. Now let me give you a second answer as we dig into Acts chapter 28. I'm going to go ahead and give you a second answer right now. Number two, what can courageous faith do? Here it is. We can allow God, and this is a good one, we can allow God to turn our obstacles into opportunities to share our faith with others. Let me just ask you a question. Has anybody faced an obstacle this week that you didn't see coming? Okay. Have any of you faced an obstacle in the past week, in the past month, in the past year, maybe that you didn't see coming? And did that obstacle cause you um, to be fearful? 
Did it cause you to be unsure, unsteady? Yeah, listen, uh, let's just be honest. When unexpected obstacles come, uh, the, the first natural instinct is to go, oh my. Oh, oh what, what's going on? What in the world? It, it, the first natural instinct is to be fearful. But here's the thing about a Christ follower. A Christ follower is going to allow his or her faith to overcome his or her fear. I don't have it on today, but I wear a bracelet all the time. Uh, it's by a group called Active Faith. It's a sportswear that I wear. I wear it a lot of times when I go to these races, but I wear this bracelet a lot. I didn't wear it today. Uh, what in the world? Anyway, uh, I always wear it. I wear it every day. But on that bracelet, you know what it says? It says faith over fear. Faith over fear. It's a constant reminder of who I am, whose I am, and why I am. Christ followers are supposed to be different. They're supposed to be different than the world in which they live. And I believe in Acts 27, we see Paul exercise courageous faith in the midst of dark circumstances. We already know this. He got on a boat with a bunch of men, prisoners and soldiers and an owner and a a pilot or a captain. And when the storm grew fierce and the skies grew dark, guess what happened? Everybody on the ship lost hope. Everybody on the ship thought they were going to die. But Paul, he stood up in the midst of the storm uh, in the boat that was rocking back and forth and felt like it was going to flip over. Paul stood up and you know what he did? He encouraged them in the truth by pointing them to God's great love and God's great promises. And you know what the Bible tells us right there at the end of Acts 27? It says not one person lost his life in that shipwreck. Why? Because God said they would. God said they weren't going to lose their lives. He told Paul that. And so Paul stood up believing in God's great love for him and God's great promises for him that he would tell everybody else about God's great love and God's great promises. And guess what? When God makes a promise, what does he do? He keeps it. He keeps it. Why? Because he's faithful. And so today we pick up in Acts 28 and we're on this little island called Malta. Okay? So let's dig in. And I'm going to start in verse 3. Acts 28 Starting in verse 3. It says, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess of justice, and that's one of those false gods and false goddesses that they worshipped, it says the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. So what did they think was about to happen to Paul? He's going to die. You want to know why they thought that? Because they had not yet seen God's great love and they had not yet heard about God's great promises. Because guess where Paul knew he was going to go? Rome. And this ain't Rome. But see, these islanders don't know about God's great love and God's great promises yet. This was an unexpected obstacle, wasn't it? Do you think Paul said, oh, let me find a viper and get bit by it? Do you think that's what Paul said? If you think that, you're crazier than I am, okay? He didn't just go say, hey, y'all find me a viper and let me get bit by it real quick to prove something to y'all. No, this was an unexpected obstacle. But watch what happens. Verse 5, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire. (laughs) He's like, oh, well. You want to know why? Because Paul knew he wasn't going to die in Malta. 
You want to know why? Because he knew God's great love, and he knew God's great promises, and he believed it, and he still was going to get to Rome. He don't know how. He don't know when. But he knows if God said it, God's going to do it. So it says, Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds. So all of a sudden, their their thinking is starting to shift. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're believers, okay? Matter of fact, the very next part of it says this. It says, after seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. So, so they still don't get what's going on. They still haven't experienced God's great love for themselves. They still, they don't know what God's great promises are, right? And then it says there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home and showed us generosity, Right? generosity and hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery, and Paul went in to see him, and look at this, after, what's that next word? Prayer. After prayer. And I'm going to tell you, because of the way this was written, this wasn't Paul in a dark corner by himself hiding and praying over here by himself quietly so nobody could hear what he was saying. No, I believe this was Paul putting his hand on this man and praying out loud in front of all these people who had never heard a prayer like this before. Here it is. Let me show you what God's great love can do. Let me show you what the great promises of God are all about. That's what I believe. So it says Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. And look at verse 10. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Let, let me just tell you something that I love about God. Let me, let me just tell you what I love about God's plans. Because here's the thing. I'm not going to stand up here today and tell you I'm perfect because you know I'm not. So I'd be lying and you know I'd be lying. I'm not perfect. And I struggle with God's plans for myself every day. I question God's plans about me and for me daily. Sometimes the question I ask is like, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this where you want me to be? God, I don't get it. But here's what I want to show you because this is good. God's plans and God's purposes for Paul could not be stopped. And I see it in three ways. Number one, it could not be stopped by man. Because if you'll remember when he was on the boat, soldiers wanted to kill all the prisoners. And guess what Paul was? A prisoner. Let me tell you something. God's plans and God's purposes couldn't be stopped by man. Men who were stronger. Men who had the ability and the access to kill Paul Couldn't do it. You want to know why? Because that was God's plan and purpose for Paul. Not only that, not by nature. God's plans and purposes for Paul couldn't be stopped by nature. Listen, they set sail into a fierce hurricane. It was a hurricane. The the Bible said it was called a northeaster, right? Paul knew it. Matter of fact, he tried to say, guys, we better not do this. This ain't good. (laughs) This ain't good for you. Like, you're going to lose life. You're going to lose ship. Paul didn't know. 
at the time because it was after the end of the storm, right? After they got into the middle of the storm that God spoke to him and said, oh, by the way, ain't nobody on this ship going to die. And so listen, man couldn't stop God's purposes and plans. Nature couldn't stop God's purposes and plans. And guess what? Neither could a beast. A viper, right? Which, which the Bible calls it a viper. And if you look it up, it's one of the most poisonous and deadly snakes in the world, even to this day. Like, like the kill rate of a viper bite, if you can't get immediate medical attention, is over 90%. Like you're, 9 out of 10 are going to die when they get bit by a snake like this. But let me just tell you something. When it's God's plan and when it's God's purpose, man can't stop it, nature can't stop it, and neither can a beast. So if God says this is who you are, this is what you're going to do, and this is why, you can count on it. You can count on it because it's God. And so because of this obstacle, right, that, listen, he's already faced one, he's already faced two, now he faces a third obstacle with a viper, guess what Paul was able to do? He was able to gain both the attention of and the respect of islanders that immediately thought he must be a murderer and our goddess is going to kill him. Since the god or the goddess of the sea didn't do it, justice will do it. And I love this because through context, it's pretty obvious that uh, this false god, justice, had no power. No power. First of all, this goddess had no power to do anything to Paul. You want to know why? Because Paul was a child of God. And even on his best day, he was a child of God. And guess what? Cain says it better than I do. Even on his worst day, guess who he still was? A child of God. So this false god, Justice, had nothing to say or do in the life of Paul. Nothing. So Paul had an opportunity, right? What was an obstacle, God used it as an opportunity for Paul. And Paul stood up, and I believe he prayed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, Brother Jeff, how can you say that? I'll tell you this. Go backwards and read the rest of Acts. Go backwards and read the rest of Acts. Every time one of the apostles preached and teached, guess whose name they preached and taught? Jesus. When they prayed and healing came through their hands or through their prayers, guess whose name was prayed? Jesus. So you can't tell me, even though we don't read it word for word in this passage, that when it says, after Paul prayed and placed his hand, this man was here. You can't tell me it wasn't Jesus. It was Jesus. Because that's all Paul preached. He didn't preach nothing else and nobody else but Jesus. So let me tell you what happened. This obstacle with a viper became an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody else. And here's the thing. I wish I could tell you those islanders got saved. I have no clue. Because the Bible doesn't say. And here's the thing. Paul couldn't save them. Paul couldn't save them. You know what Paul was called to do? He was called to be a witness for Jesus. He was called to be a witness about the kingdom of God and what it's all about. His great love and his great promises. Here's the thing. He did what he was called to do. He did what he was called to do. He allowed God to turn his obstacle into an opportunity to do what he was created to do, be a witness for Jesus Christ. God has not called you, mom and daddy, to save your children. You want to know why? Because you can't. But what God has empowered and called you to do 
is to preach and teach Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God to your children so that when the Holy Spirit stirs their hearts, they've had a foundation that they can rely on and they can call on Jesus and Jesus can save them. Allow God to use your obstacles. Allow Him to use your obstacles as opportunities to share Jesus with others. There's a third answer to that question. There's a third answer, right? So we can lead others to know God's great promises and God's great love by ourselves believing in God's great love and God's great promises. We can allow God to take our obstacles that shake us a little bit, that maybe even cause us a little fear. We can allow God to use them as opportunities and we can tell other people about Jesus. But number three, this is so good. Here's what we can do with courageous faith in our world. We can experience We can experience God's fullness in our lives and in doing so, we can expose others to his great love and promises. See, here's the thing. You might be saying, oh, I wish so-and-so could experience God's great love. I wish so-and-so could experience God's great promises. But here's the thing. God may use your experience your experience with his great love and his great promises to expose it to so-and-so and so-and-so. That's why I tell you all the time, be ambassadors of God. Be vessels of God. Be funnels of God's grace, love, and mercy. Let, let God pour into you so that you can pour out to others. Look at this. Acts 28, beginning in verse 23. This is so good because guess who's in control? Guess who's in control? God. Thank you, Brother Gary. You're the only one listening. If I got one listening, though, it's worth it. So keep listening, Brother Gary. Who's in control? God is. Not man, not nature, and not beast. Listen to me. What have you got coming against you right now in your life? It, 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 could, be, it could be a person that, that, that the enemy has gotten into and coming against you. It could be man. Listen, right now it could be a natural type catastrophe. It could be a financial catastrophe. It could be a relational catastrophe. It it, it could be a beastly catastrophe. I don't know, right? And right now you could be shaken at your core. Right now you could be unsteady and unsure. But let me just tell you something. God is in control and God is faithful. And if you belong to him, you're right where you need to be. That's the truth. So watch this. You can clap for God. Don't clap for me. Clap for God. Acts 28. You ready? Verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day. Now understand, Paul has been taken as a prisoner, as a prisoner into Rome. This is a place where people die. People who are known as followers of the way, which means Jesus, they go to die. So watch what happens. Acts 28, verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And look at this. He, what's that next word? Witnessed. Guess who he is? He's a witness for Jesus Christ. And guess what he's doing? Witnessing for Jesus Christ. It says he witnessed to them from morning till evening. You thought I didn't shut up. Hey, but let me just give you a hint. My middle name is Paul. Just telling you. Thanks, Mom. You helped me out. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about what? What did he explain about? The kingdom of God. 
explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about who? About Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement, because he's made this statement before. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. That means repent. And I would heal them. That means save them. Salvation. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there. Listen to this. He was a prisoner, supposedly going to die very quickly. And look at what it tells us. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. What was he all about? The kingdom of God. And he taught about who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And how did he do it? With all boldness. And guess what? Without hindrance. I'm going to tell you, what a powerful way to end an incredible account. So here's what I want you to see. This is why I want you to know who you are. If you're in Christ, you need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know whose you are. You belong to God. John says it in his letters. I am a child of God and that is who I am. And nothing and no one can change that. When I'm in Christ, I am a child of God. That's who I am. John talks about it all the time through his letters. We are children of God. That's who we are. Why are we children of God? Well, Peter says it. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. We are God's ambassadors. We are God's holy people. We are his chosen people. We are his royal priesthood. We are his special possessions. Why? So that we may declare the praises of him, the glory of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's that's who you are, whose you are, and why you are. Why do I want you to know that? Right here. Because God's protection and his timely provisions for Paul could not be stopped by place or pretense. You're going, Brother Jeff, what does that mean? Here's what I want you to know. If you are a Christ follower, if you have repented of your sin and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there ain't no place and there ain't no pretense that can stop you from being who God created you to be and doing what God created you to do. You say, Brother Jeff, what do you mean by a place? Well, Paul is in Rome. And in Rome, when you speak the name of Jesus, you're dead. You die. They put you on a pole. They pour tar all over you. And they set you on fire and use you as a nightlight. That's what they do. Or they put you on a cross that they invented as an instrument of torture And to make sure people know, hey, we're in control and we have the power. But let me just tell you something. Even though he was in Rome and they could have killed him, they couldn't kill him. You want to know why? Because God said it ain't time for him to die. He's here to be my witness. And guess what he was doing? He did it. He did it for two years. And guess what? This was only Paul's first time. He left there and then they brought him back and eventually he did die. But guess whose plan it was? 
And guess whose time it was? It was God's. So the place can't stop you from having God's protection and having God's provisions. Not only that, pretense can't do it. You ask me, what do you mean by pretense? Well, here it is. He is under house arrest for supposedly breaking the laws and custom of Jews. You can read that in verses 17 through 20. So pretense means somebody else has accused you of something that ain't true and ain't right. So let me just tell you something. Just because somebody else said it, and just because somebody else says they have proof, hey, if God didn't say it, then guess what? It ain't true. And even their lies, even the lies they made up, and even the lies they paid people, right, to back up, it couldn't stand before God. You want to know why? Because God exposes the lies. He is truth. He is light. He exposes the lies and the darkness. So God's protection and God's provisions can and will flow to his children. And the place and the pretense will not stop it. You want to know why? Because God is God and nobody else. And when God says it, God does it. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. God is faithful even when we're not. That's not my word, that's God's word. And so God gives Paul this platform, right? This platform in the enemy's territory. He gives him a platform to do what? To preach and teach Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And guess what Paul does? We see it right here at the end of the, of the, of the book of Acts. Paul experiences God's goodness. And not just his goodness. He experiences the fullness of God. Every promise God made him, he is bathing in it. All the love that God has poured out, Paul, he's, he's, he's a funnel of it. Right? He is experiencing God's fullness. And because Paul is standing up, what did it say Paul did? He welcomed anybody that wanted to to come to his house. And here's the thing. It was a prison. (laughs) Luke calls it a house. You want to know why? Because Paul made his his prison a house. Think about that. Paul made his prison a house. Come on in. Come on in. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. That's another song, but I'm not going to quote it today. You can go look at it and listen to it. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about the kingdom. Let me tell you what God can do. Let me tell you what God has done, what God is doing. Let me tell you what God's going to do. I just, I love this. He is experiencing the fullness of God, and anybody that came close, and anybody that came in, they were exposed to it. Exposed to it. Listen to me. You can't save people from their sin. But here's what you can do. You can expose them to the one who can save them from their sin. So mamas and daddies, keep speaking the name of Jesus in your house. Keep keep reading the scriptures in your house. And I don't care if your kids have moved out or not. Text them the name of Jesus. (laughs) Don't stop exposing your children to Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Hey, church, even when it looks like the community just don't care and ain't listening, you keep exposing them to the fullness of God who is in you and working through you. Isn't that good? Man, I wish there was an Acts 29 and a 30 and a 35, and you're like, Brother Jeff, can you please go to another book of the Bible? Why? This is so good. And so the book of Acts ends just like it begins. 
All about the life and the work of Jesus. All about the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? Let me remind you. It is the visible manifestation of God's comprehensive rule over every area of our lives. I love it when Melissa either comes in my office on on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, or she texts me or calls me and she says, Hey, uh, baptism? That's a good problem to have. When she has to say, Do I need to get the water ready? You know, you know what all this has been? Do you, do you want to know what these baptisms... You want to know what's been happening at these men's retreats and these women's... You want to know what's happening at Star Baptist Church? People ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, what are y'all doing? What, what's going on? I hear about this at Star Baptist Church. Listen to me, it ain't Star Baptist Church. It's God. And God has made a promise. God has made a promise that when you preach and teach His Word, He will do everything He says in His Word. And so if we, when we make this the main thing, the main thing will show up and show out. Because I'm going to tell you, what God can do is so much bigger and better and lasting than what Jeff can do. I thanked a lot of people today, and I'm still not done thanking people. But it ain't them, it's God in them and through them. Remember, who you are. Remember whose you are and remember why you are. Paul, he wrote a letter to the Romans. I know you love that book of the Bible. I've already been in that book, but we may get back to it later. But I will share this verse for you. You think Paul, you think Paul was thinking about this? This, this, this all these obstacles that turned into opportunities, uh, the, the ability to let others know and, and hear and see and understand God's love and promises because he believed in God's love and promises for himself. Do you think maybe because Paul understood that there wasn't man, there wasn't nature, there wasn't beast that could stop God's plan for his life, purposes for the kingdom agenda? Do you, do you think Paul ever doubted for a second that God couldn't provide for him and protect him no matter where he was, right? No matter what people were saying about him. When he wrote this, you ready for this? You know the verse. You don't even have to turn there. Romans eight thirty one. What then? Shall we say, in response to these things, talking about hard times, talking about difficulties, if God is for us, oh, that's pretty weak. I really, here's what I, all right, maybe I expect too much of you, Star Baptist Church, but you know what? I ain't lowering my bar. I'm going to raise my bar. Let me, let me repeat the last part of that phrase. If God be for us, now that's better, Okay but nobody outside could hear what you said. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can stand against us? Do you believe that scripture? Then exercise that scripture. And I wish I could say I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to me. Because just yesterday I wanted to cave in. Just yesterday. And I'm thankful for a wife who speaks the truth, not just to me, but over me. If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen to what Paul David Tripp says. How many of you have that book, New Morning Mercies? I'm just asking. Some of you probably bought that because I won't shut up talking about it. I'm in my fourth cycle. I haven't bought another devotional in five years. <laughs> I just keep rereading this one. Matter of fact, I read it to my connected family Wednesday night. 
Listen to what Paul David Tripp says in New Morning Mercies. He says, moments of difficulty are not objects in the way of God's plans, nor are they indications of failure of God's plans. How many of you have ever thought that, though? How many of you have ever thought that I've done too much? I've turned too far. I've gone the wrong way. And so God can't. I'm guilty. How many of you have thought when things were so dark and so ugly and so difficult that it indicated failure? Maybe not just your failure, but maybe you thought, you know what? God ain't with me anymore. God can't hear me anymore. God don't want me anymore. Moments of difficulty are not objects in the way of God's plans, nor are they indications of the failure of God's plans. No, they are important parts of God's plans. And here it is. By His grace, God leads us where we didn't plan to go in order to produce in us what we couldn't achieve on our own. You might be right now in a hard, difficult place that is, you feel like you're strangled. But let me just tell you, if you're there and you're a child of God, you're still blessed. Even on your worst day, you're a child of God. Just like you're a child of God on your best day. And if you're there, understand this, God will not He will not fail you, and He will not fail in His kingdom agenda. God keeps His promises. God is faithful. If He says it, He will do it. You can believe it. You can live it. You you can receive God's love and God's promises. You can experience God's fullness, and you can expose that to other people. And that's why I believe it's so important that we are connected connected first and foremost to God through Jesus Christ, but connected to one another. Connected to one another. Husbands and wives. Sunday school classes and Sunday school teachers. Men's ministry, women's ministry. Party of one. Heartfelt. You say, Brother Jeff, all these small groups, I, I, I just don't feel called. Well, here's the thing. Just go out there and struggle on your own. Go out there, go out there and beat yourself up and don't have a voice who says, Son, don't forget who you are. And don't forget whose you are. And don't forget why you are. You're wanting to quit, but God ain't quitting on you. You better have somebody next to you to say that. And if you're not connected to God, you can't experience God's fullness. And if you're not connected to the family, brothers and sisters in Christ as believers, Satan's voice is going to be louder than any other voice. So you better have a Christ follower's voice speaking truth to you. Because here's here's what I want you to know. And I've experienced it even this week. Even this week. And I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me or do something for me. I'm just telling you the truth. Sometimes this life will be very frustrating. Anybody frustrated in life right now? Okay. Somebody said every day. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes this life will be frustrating. And sometimes this life will even be frightening. Anybody kind of frightened right now about a situation in your life? 
a relationship, a job, a child, health. Sometimes in this life, it will be frustrating and it will be frightening. But as witnesses of Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, it will always be fulfilling when we stand and we exercise courageous faith. It will always be fulfilling. God will always show you who He is and what He's capable of if you will just believe. Just believe. So here's my question to you. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? As your Lord and Savior. That means your master. That means your rescue all in one. Because here's the thing. There's something that has to happen before courageous. It's called faith. Before you can have courageous faith, you have to have faith. You understand? So, so you can't say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these things that Brother Jeff said. I'm going to practice courageous faith. Here's the thing. You can practice courage all you want. But unless you have faith first, you can't have courageous faith. So the question you have to ask first is, have I truly surrendered my life? Have I surrendered my all to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and my Savior? If you've done that, then what will happen is that faith that God gives you, it will begin to grow. It's called sanctifying, right? You have saving faith, and that saving faith will begin to grow, and it will be called sanctifying faith. God will begin to change you from the inside out. You'll begin to grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll begin to look and act and talk and see like Jesus Christ. And then guess what happens? God's going to call you to go here and go there. Maybe a place you wouldn't go by yourself. Right? He's going to stretch you. He's going to test you. And guess what happens to that saving faith that became sanctifying faith? It has the opportunity to become courageous faith. And guess who gets magnified and glorified when you exercise that? Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I hope this word helps you today because I'm going to tell you, it certainly helps me. I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be your pastor. Not only that, I'm thankful to be your brother in Christ. I'm thankful to walk with you. All right? I'm not over you. I'm with you. I do believe I'm an under-shepherd. And I do believe I have to bring you the truth. I do believe all of that, but I'm walking in this life with you. And I need you, brothers and sisters, just like you need me. We need each other, amen? So, let's be courageous with our faith so that, so that we can experience God's fullness and expose everybody to His love and His promises. Amen.